In just a few years, we have seen the adoption of drones skyrocket, and this is just the beginning. With applications ranging anywhere from planting trees and pollinating flowers, to delivering packages and providing emergency medical response or disaster relief, drones are poised to change the way society operates forever. But while drone possibilities grow exponentially, one simple yet unavoidable obstacle still stands in the way. The lack of drone infrastructure, from housing and charging to designated sky roads. In today's preview, I am speaking with Isabel Naka, whose company, Eva, is developing the infrastructure that will allow drones to become an integral solution for the world of tomorrow. Innovation, resiliency, discovery. Join Mike Lake, President and CEO of Leading Cities, as we explore the technologies shaping the possibilities of our future with a preview of tomorrow. Welcome, Isabel, and thank you so much for coming. Uh, for our listeners, Isabel Naka is the Business Development and Customer Success Manager at EVA, an innovative new company based out of Germany that is designing and building the first generation of drone infrastructure. Now, before we get into what EVA does, Isabel, I'd like to start off this interview by asking you, what, what is the biggest fear that you have for facing society over the next five, 10 years or so down the road? Um, hey, Michael, thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, it's wonderful speaking to you. And uh, yeah, interesting question. So I, I guess besides obviously the the um, the all-round um, climate change issue, I, I would say what's really has been striking me is that I feel like we've got all these tools to, you know, ramp up city resilience and the way how society is going to be reshaped but i i feel like we're we're sort of missing the link to one another we've got all these new fantastic innovations but but it seems like everyone's fighting their own war uh, regarding regulations and 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 the way how to you know pave the way and um implement this into city life and um you know i i feel like uh some of these some of these innovations, they really have the power to counterfeit current challenges that we're facing. But it seems like we're sort of replicating um, mistakes that we've done in the past. Uh, so when we, for instance, look at infrastructure, uh, which which obviously is a topic that we um, um, discuss a lot at EVA, it's it seems like we've had this in the 19th century with cars and we've had this now, or we are facing this right now with e-mobility, and uh, we're not looking at the greater picture. We're not having um, a, a idea really of how is the future of urban living going to look like. Um, and um, and I feel like that sort of creates a challenge. It's, it's not really a threat. It's just a challenge of that we all need to sit at the same table and um, and you know find find a solution that's integrated uh, for all of these fantastic technologies. Well, it's interesting you say that. I, I know we'll be talking about drones and specifically drone infrastructure, but, um, you know, we have, especially now during this pandemic, uh, people have become so reliant on, um, I'm just going to use one example here, but so reliant on delivered packages, whether it be their groceries or any of their other needs, uh, which are great for contactless purchasing, um, but not always so good for the environment. Um, 
So, you know, by addressing one challenge, we, we might be creating another. Um, I, I do know that in California, for instance, small drones can result in a 50% reduction in GHG emissions per package delivered compared to diesel trucks and 30% uh, less carbon uh, than diesel trucks on average across the entire United States. Um, that's a huge impact when you think about the number of packages being delivered these days. And in the, the shadow, of course, of the United States coming back on it, and, and uh, along with another 195 or so other countries uh, signing on to the Paris agreements, I mean, we have some serious uh, issues and challenges about reducing carbon emissions. Uh, do you see drones as a major contributor to the reduction of, of uh, carbon emissions? Um, I, I certainly like to think so, absolutely. I mean, this all very much depends on, on whether we're going to be able to find a sustainable way how to let the drone technology enter this world. Uh, I believe in general, if we if we manage to implement, obviously, you know, public acceptance and uh, and the way how to not interact with nature in the sense that we're, we're going to, you know, maybe counterfeit some of the GHG emissions, but in the meantime, ruin our blue skies and, and the beauty of our cities and our skylines, then I think, especially what you just mentioned, that we tackle one problem, but we create another one. And, and I think this is where we really have to come in and, and think of a long-term solution. Uh, however, I do believe that drones can make a massive impact, especially um, since they've got the ability, you know, like when you look at some African, um, let's say countries, they've never had a landline. They jumped immediately from no phone to a smartphone. Mm -hmm. And and I sort of see that with drones as well. There, there can be areas in this world where we will never, ever even pave a road. We will, we will not need this because we can immediately jump to to implementing sky roads where we can just deliver healthcare or any kind of critical goods directly to these people that are, you know, let's say, uh, in rather hard to reach areas. And the same goes for goes for disaster response. It goes for, you know, a lot of information that we can that we can um, sample from from aerial inspection and surveillance. And I think there's a huge impact that can be um, accomplished. Um, but the, for in order to to get there, we'll need systems in place and we'll need, you know, the public acceptance to be on board. So we've talked about delivery of packages and, and, and in the intro I mentioned, you know, everything from pollinating flowers to, um, you know, disaster response or health related issues, emergency response. Um, so there's plenty of use cases for drones. I mean, we're, we're really just scratching the surface. Uh, in this technology and, and the opportunities that it, it can bring to people around the world. But what the key to this, of course, is, is when you think about cars, for instance, and how that has transformed the world, um, a car is almost useless if it doesn't have a road to drive on. Um, and um, having uh, sky roads, essentially. Um, so that is a major part of this this vision and solution um, and the opportunity that is presenting itself here in the 21st century. So this is really where Eva comes into play. Correct me if I'm not wrong, but 
And, and there's been tremendous amount of investment in the drone industry. I mean, $3 billion being invested, but only 1% of it being invested in the infrastructure side. So are we creating a situation uh, where there's plenty of use cases, but not the infrastructure to properly deploy them? Um, and of course, we see in the US new regulations coming out. So there's a real momentum towards this. What is EVA doing to make sure that we have the necessary infrastructure in place to make drones and, and all of these use cases possible? Um, yeah, thank you for, for, for making this, this grand intro because that's, that's really at the core of you know, where we're coming from. It's a, the, the tremendous um, things that we've accomplished within the drone industry over the past couple of years. We've got over 400 different you know, drone, drone companies uh, providing hardware. Um, but as I've mentioned earlier, we've seen this or we're currently still experiencing this with e-mobility. If you have a brand new Tesla, but you you can't charge it anywhere, then then I believe that that really defeats the purpose, and that's where I see an issue with drones as well. But the interesting fact about drones is it's so much more than just a point where you can charge it. It's in order to fly a successful drone mission, you you'll need um, you'll need a place where you can actually plan that mission and control it. And um, and so many more aspects that fall under this, you know, flying a successful mission. And that's essentially where we want to come in. We really want to, you know, create an infrastructure in both the physical hardware um, manner, but also in a, in a, um, in a broader sense, as in we want to provide everything in order to make drone operations more operational, more scalable, but also more secure. We really want to, you know, create a secure use space where it will never ever happen that a drone, you know, falls on a on, onto the grounds of a kindergarten. Because I understand that this is where where the public fear comes from, but we also tend to be scared of things that we don't know anything about, and and I understand that because you know right now drones. Um, are still rather rare. We don't really see them, but um, I think what we, besides really establishing, you know, points of points of charging and points of landing and taking off and, and planning the missions, it's we want to create designated air roads, as I as I've mentioned before. Um, and I think that's going to be that's going to make the implementation into our um, city life so much easier. Because instead of what we're envisioning right now is there's going to be just hundreds of drones flying above our heads. There's going to be designated, you know, points from A to B and from B to C. And uh, and this is going to create a system in place that's going to make it easier, but also a lot more safe and a lot more scalable. In much the same way that cars can't drive on sidewalks or across somebody's front lawn. Yeah. Precisely. Yes. Oh, that makes perfect sense. So. Tell me a little bit more about Eva and the, the specific solution you've created to create this infrastructure. Walk us through, how does it work? Absolutely, um, with pleasure. So we we ultimately took a, a very conventional 20-foot container, the normal shipping containers that you that you see, and we retrofitted it into this, this sort of one-stop solution. So ultimately you have, on the right-hand side, you have um, 
six individually moving platforms that can come out and then accommodate a drone where it can land and then um, the platforms itself are, are made for charging where where the drone can be can be docked and then it can immediately be charged whereas on the left hand side you have this control station as i mentioned in in the future and this is really where we see one of our biggest usps it's we see fleets of drones becoming a thing it's it's mm -hmm. It's not just going to be one drone doing a recreational flight where you take pretty pictures of the beach that you've been to. It's it's going to be really when we when we see healthcare, when we see disaster response, all these kind of uh, different use cases, agriculture. Then we believe drones need uh, much more than just one garage, but there's going to be um, you know several drones um, uh, deployed in different missions. And that's why we made this rather large container, which, you know, it essentially isn't the prettiest solution, but it's a very practical one. Um, because as you mentioned rightfully earlier, um, the the entire idea of, of regulations and everything are really just still in the making. Um, so instead of, you know, a normal... Um, a normal gas station that is really where you have an asset that's anchored into the ground. Here we have a fully transportable modular hub that can be, you know, A, plugged and played according to which drone you're using, but it can also be transported to wherever it's needed the most. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, most people really think of drones and, and are probably scared of, okay, if every single Amazon product is soon going to be delivered by, by a drone, this is going to be chaotic. But uh, but it's really also going to be disaster response and humanitarian support. So if you know if there's a need somewhere across the world, then we can just put our stations containing the drones onto a vessel and ship it wherever it's needed. So I mean, thinking about the the mobility of of this solution is is really important in the, in the disaster response. I mean, whether you're talking about a site of a hurricane or a flood or fires, wildfires. Um, a place that does not have any drone infrastructure can all instantaneously be equipped to deploy drones to assess damages, find survivors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's, an, it's an incredible uh, use case, uh, I think. And, and, and the fact that that infrastructure is so mobile, to your point earlier about some places never needing roads, um, some place will never have roads like our, our natural um, national parks in the U.S. and, and, and the like. Exactly. So let me ask one more question here about, about the, the, um, the solution itself. It is completely drone agnostic. Is that right? That's, that's it. So, exactly. Um, any drone can be used. And, and in one container, you could have, I mean, it doesn't necessarily become an Amazon container. You can have an Amazon, a FedEx, uh, UP, uh, United States Postal Service, et cetera, et cetera, all in the same container, um, the same home, so to speak, or garage, I think you called it. That's right. That's right. And this was very important to us to to be drone agnostic from the start. So it's it's a the size that differentiates us from from um, competitive solutions, but really the idea that this is not a proprietary solution that can only accommodate our own drone. Um, we much rather partner and um, with with you know any drone operator that's out there. And and this is really where you can also create a model that can then be deployed in 
in hopefully one day every city in the world, because uh, I think you've rightfully mentioned this um, at some earlier point. And I mean, how stupid would it be if we would have to create an airport for every single different airline that we have out there? And this is sort of where we're coming from. And um, and I believe that's also the future. There's going to be just like there's there's certain trucks that are better for off-roads and then there's other other cars that are for the autobahn to drive 300 miles an hour um there's going to be drones that are going to be designated for one job and there's other going to, drones going to be good for last mile and according to that we again just want to lay the foundation so that everything else that's needed in order to to fly this successful mission is going to be a given so I, I do want to look to the future and get a sense of how you see this playing out. But before we do that, I want to turn to the past a moment. Just give our our uh, audience a sense of how did how did Eva come about? You know, how did this get started? Right. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's funny. So we went we got one of the lucky positions at one of the textiles programs uh, a year and a half ago here in Lisbon in Portugal. And back then we were still one of the companies that wanted to uh, create air taxis. So we, we really, you know, wanted to to play with the, the big boys. And um, and then from air taxi, we went to a VTOL, which is a vertical takeoff and landing drone. And while we were going through Texas, the beauty of this program is that you receive uh, hundreds of hours of mentoring. And uh, you mainly talk to people that are not from the industry, which usually gives you the best feedback because they were, most of them were asking plain and clear Oh, okay. So if drones are going to become a thing, then how is this going to work? Where are they going to where are they going to be charged? Because basically, what was true then, and which what still holds apparent, is that drones have an average range of range of 25 to 28 minutes. So mm. you know, talking about what what I mentioned earlier, is then we can reach areas that that right now don't really have an infrastructure in place. Then 25 minutes is really not a lot. Um, so so I think and then looking into the numbers and understanding that the, the sheer investment into the drone industry is nowhere matching the the investment that's that's flown into the infrastructure. We entirely pivoted and I think we haven't regretted it ever since. Um, and besides that, I think one push that also um, came from from the CEO itself is the fact that he comes, in fact, from Tesla. And I think he just he, he had just experienced what I mentioned earlier is is the fact that I think Tesla um, knows how vital the infrastructure was in order for them to to really, you know, have um, have um, a chance in this world and a, mm -hmm. a chance for us to really uh, implement e-mobility and give it more space than, than it currently has. I mean, just in that one story, we, we see the the incredible flexibility and, and agility of startups to to pivot in the way you've just described and, and provide where the need is most necessary. Um, so let's let's look to the future now, you know, get out that crystal ball and explain to us, you know, 5, 10, 15, whatever it is, 25 years down the road. What does the world look like with EVA? deployed everywhere um we um I, I i like this a lot that's an, an interesting task um i think it's going to be much less scary than how we all imagine this to be right now um i guess you know in the 19th century when someone would have mentioned 
highways scattering entire countries and people would have would have you know uh, ran away screaming and crying so so i think that's that's ultimately where we are right now as well it's there's going to be sky roads. They're not going to be everywhere. It's not going to be, we're, we're going to fix the problem of noise. Uh, so I'm very optimistic on that end. And uh, and I think it's really just going to make our life a lot more safe. There's going to be a lot of costs that can be saved. And it's, it's going to provide us information that will make, for instance, agriculture a lot more productive. There's going to be, you know, safer areas at nights, but really ultimately everyone will have a much better access to healthcare. And, and that's really what, you know, what drives me. I, I believe we're going to start with connecting every laboratory with every hospital in bigger and smaller cities and then eventually reaching out to 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 the villages and then really to to very hard to reach areas like we've we've been talking about a pilot um on on Lake Victoria in in Uganda where really you've got these these villages that where a boat reaches them once every two weeks uh, and yeah, and this is just going to, you know, create this network of, it, it's sort of like a Pony Express, what we had in, you know, in, in the past where, uh, where really everything can be done with a ma- within a matter of, um, of a couple of clicks. Um, we believe that there's going to be an Uber model, just or like, sort of like an Uber model where I believe it's, it's differentiated between two things. There's going to be obviously police stations and hospitals, you know, they, they're going to have their own connections, but then there's going to be also public drone stations where if, if you're walking down the street and you want to, for instance, send a parcel somewhere, then you can go on your app and you can just sort of, you know, check in this proximity, there's this drone station, they've got, you know, three models that are readily charged and at your disposal. And on the, the other hand, you can also use this as sort of like a package delivery station where mm. you can order your food to, or the food can be delivered to your home and then return to its respective uh, respective um, um, garage, as I mentioned earlier. So this is really, but yeah, as I mentioned just at the very beginning, it's going to be it's going to be a gradual process, uh, so I think we're going to have plenty of time to get used to it, and uh, it's going to be a lot, lot less scary than than what we believe right now. I agree with you. Now, to get there, let me ask one final question here. What is it that Eva needs uh, to achieve that vision of the future? I believe what would be a beautiful way how to really showcase what we can do is really the chance of and and that's what we've been um, really closely tackling is uh, talking to let's say smart cities or really on on a governmental area because um, obviously we're doing small scale pilots where we're you know where we're delivering healthcare over Lake Zurich for instance in Switzerland but but I think mapping out an entire city and creating sort of this ecosystem and really what infrastructure ultimately is for to to you know um, pave the foundation for an innovation to come in I think that would be beautiful to to really showcase what what we can do and how drones can then really do their jobs um, but yeah, at this moment, I believe we need uh, exactly the momentum and the the strength that we that we've had in the last year, and just you know maintain um, yeah um, optimism and a lot of partners and a lot of um, great people out there that trust in what we're doing. Uh, and then I think the rest is just gonna um, happen step by step. 
Well, our time has gone by fast, but for anybody who wants to learn more or, or connect with you or Eva directly, how, how what's the best way to get in contact with Eva? Um, happily, always reach out to me directly uh, to my email address. It would be inaka at eva.xyz. Other than that, please drop us um, a message on our contact form on our um website which is eva.xyz same thing and uh yeah linkedin works um i'm really really keen to to talk about this to anyone who's interested wonderful well from from uh you know where we stand today to a future that's full of of safe and um life-changing and life-saving uh drone infrastructure and, and drone solutions um, very exciting stuff. Thank you for everything that you're doing. And uh, we look forward to seeing the success of EVA as you continue to deploy uh, in Europe and around the world. Thank you so much, Michael. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. In addition to thanking our guest, I want to thank Peter Roy and Demetria Bridges for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and encourage others to also join us each week in previewing the possibilities of tomorrow. Preview of Tomorrow is brought to you by Leading Cities, a global nonprofit driving resilience and sustainability for all by unleashing the potential of the world's cities. Join them at leadingcities.org.